Yo, you're in for a treat, so hang on to your seat. Get ready for adventure and remarkable feats. You meet Koopa, the Troopers, the Princess, and the others. Hang on with the plumbers, you'll be hooked on the brothers. To the bridge. Tonight, we bring you the box office babam, the Super Mario Brothers movie. Strap on your thwomp stompers and prepare to wade through some fungus. Hops and box office flops. A place where we can celebrate the underdog films, the bombs, the disasters, the much maligned movies that have drowned in their infamy. So please sit back, grab a beer, and enjoy the show. Pod for critical and box office bombs presented by RevengeOfTheFans.com. We are talking Super Mario Brothers movie, the first in our month of up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA select flop. Our series where we look at flops based on video games. I, Captain Cash, am your player one for this journey through the nightmarish hellscape that is Dino Hatton. Player two is the thunderous wizard Cash. I'm uh, in my Tanuki suit, and I'm ready to roll. We are the Cash Brothers, and hailing from the Mushroom Kingdom, sporting a three-foot-long prehensile tongue, Chumpzilla. Howdy, folks. I can't believe Captain Cash Cash made me watch this movie. You can find the pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Hops and B.O. Flops. Please be sure to like, share, and subscribe. The Thunderous Wizard Cash, where can people go to find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at WriterTLK. Excellent. And Chumpzilla, where on the series of tubes can the listeners find you? They can find me on Twitter at Chumpzilla8. And please, folks, hit me up on Twitter. I have yet to get any tweets other than from these two yuckos. We're also both now on uh, PlumbersOnly.com. Yes. Yeah, not Laying some pipe. Just us, the Cash Brothers, PlumbersOnly.com. Uh, as always, I am C-A-P-T-C-A-S-H on most of your social media. Um, and before we jump into tonight, we're going to change things up a bit for the beer section of the pod. Uh, we'll now be rating the beer as well. So, Thunderous Wizard, can you give us just a little bit of a rundown on how this is going to go? So, uh, you're, you're familiar with the show. You know, we rate movies based on how many beers you need to drink to get through them. Uh, so now we're going to rate beers based on how many bad movies you'd be willing to sit through to continue drinking the beer. Uh, so the rating is zero to three because watching more than three movies in a row while drinking uh, would kill most grown adults. Zero not Chumzilla, though, probably. Yeah, no, not Chumzilla. Uh, his nope. scale would be like, you know, zero to seven, maybe zero to 11. <laughs> Nothing can kill the Chumzilla. Yeah. Unless you uh, stomp on his head with a pair of thwomp stompers. No, Untrue. I have consumed several stars. Uh, so zero means the beer is terrible. Uh, we wouldn't drink it for free. Three is we'd uh, be willing to watch Cats 2019, my favorite movie of the year, three times in a row if you provided us with that beer the whole time. Uh, we are going to allow for half points. So one and a half movies or two and a half movies, for example. All right. Thank you, Thunderous Wizard. So the beer for this evening's pod is Pixels. Uh, another thematic choice, uh, the can itself features a man jumping over 
a uh, keg of beer very much in the style of the original Super Mario Brothers game. Uh, it is a New England-style IPA, kind of hazy at the four, and it's 7.2 ABV. Uh, it appears to only come in pints. So, uh, yeah, let's have a taste. Cheers to that. That's pretty smooth. That's a good summer beer. I'm not I'm not ready to just jump to three out of three to start this thing, but I'd give this two and a half. I mean, that's pretty, if you let me, pretty high yeah, praise. Yeah, if you let me drink this for free for a couple hours, I'm willing to sit through a lot of shitty movie. All right, this is good. Thoughts, gentlemen? Anything you want to add? Uh, for me, 7.2. Uh, pretty strong. So I'd say probably two. Two movies. That's true. We could get aggressive with it and it could end early. Depending on how bad the movie is, yeah, it could get a little, could get a little sticky. Like... Uh, Wherever the hell this movie is set, because it's not the Mushroom Kingdom, it's some sort of hellscape with electric cars and a toad playing a harmonica. So let's get into it. This movie was released in May of 1993. The Super Mario Brothers movie grossed $35 million on a $48 million budget. So this thing bombed at the box office and was not only a commercial failure, but this movie sits at 23% on Rotten Tomatoes, and a 29% for the audience score. Oof. But a better tomato meter than Congo, so... <laughs> That's a fair point. Uh, this movie bombed so spectacularly, Nintendo wouldn't try to make another live-action movie for 26 years with last year's Detective Pikachu. That's how aggressively bad this got. It should be uh, noted, the movie's... though, that Nintendo yeah. technically doesn't own Pokemon. They license all the games, but it's owned by somebody else. So, yeah, Nintendo was pretty, like, pissed off about how poorly this uh, went, along with the times they licensed out Legend of Zelda and uh, Mario Brothers for whatever it was, CDI. And those games were, like, Oh, invisible. yeah, the, the games. It, yes, Mario the, the lost, the lost uh, Zelda games. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, those, and they look horrible. <laughs> This movie is a good lesson for them that, you know what, we don't need to do that. Well, I, and I think the other thing about it, too, is Nintendo didn't really get involved. They didn't really oh yeah, give any direction or limitations. They just said, yeah, sure, great, do whatever you want. They were totally notoriously hands-off hands with this, yeah. Yeah, to which is strange. Did you think they'd be, they'd be more protective of their property? For whatever reason, they weren't. And um, obviously, uh, I mean, we'll talk about it later, but uh, I can almost understand to a certain degree because <clears throat> one of the most shocking things about how bad this movie is is not just how bizarre and absolutely divorced from the source material it ultimately is, but the fact that everyone involved was like legit Hollywood people. Like they had really good people involved in this movie, including the actors. Like, I mean, especially paper, the actors. Yeah. On paper, this is just like Howard the Duck. It seems like this should work. You've got the right people involved. It's a it's a property. It's, it should be a good time. There's no way this could fail. Cut the check. Whoops. And this is distributed by Buena Vista, which it means this is Disney. This was a Disney yeah. movie, ultimately. The, the CEO of Disney had to sign off on this. Yeah, Jeffrey Katzenberger. That guy's an asshole, but we'll get there. Clearly. Uh, the, the movie itself stars Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo as Mario and Luigi. Uh, we are going to talk about 
that they are Mario, Mario, and Luigi Mario, thus the Mario Brothers in a little bit. But I just I wanted to get that out there just to start because that's that where canon? this movie is going. Uh, we'll talk about that too. Uh, okay. Short version is maybe. It's it's just it's not good. We're, it felt dumb wanna... in the movie. Yeah, moving on. Yeah, it it also stars the late great Dennis Hopper as President Koopa, uh, Samantha Mathis, who you might remember from the Punisher 2004. Welcome back. To yeah. The uh, as Princess Daisy, uh, rounding out the core cast, we also get appearances from Fisher Stevens and Richard Edson as Iggy and Spike, the hapless cousins of Koopa. Fiona Shaw as Aunt Petunia from Harry Potter is here as Lena, Koopa's gun mall, more or less. And Lance, I'm goddamn Bishop from Aliens Hendrickson, has a cameo here as the Fungus King. Uh, voice acting legend Frank Welker also provides the voices for both the Yoshi and the Goombas. So, Chumzilla, to your point, this has an excellent pedigree, especially as far as the cast is concerned. Yeah, well, the, the producers were all well-known Hollywood people as well. You had the art guy from Blade Runner, uh, the cinematographer. And it shows. It shows. Uh, they actually brought him on after it started to look like Blade Runner. And like, yeah, just get that guy. Well, but, I mean, uh, at the head of all this, the director was a husband and wife duo, Rocky Morton and Annabella Jankel. Uh, Rocky would never work in a major studio production ever again. And Annabelle would have to wait until 2018 to get that chance again. Uh, I will say that the music was done by Alan. I did Avengers Assemble Silvestri. So, you know, the music is pretty good. It it does not at all utilize the iconic sounds from the game. But, you know, score is there. One of the most glaringly obvious departures from the source material is that at no point in this movie, except for a couple very, very minor musical cues, do you get anything that sounds like the game. Which... Which is yeah, weird. Good. It's weird because, let's face it, this is a property based on a video game that has no story. So literally all you have to tie us to the property uh, are visual and musical cues. There's really not like a lot of thematic and, stuff you can do. And we decided we're not going to use any of them. Zero. That's the best part <laughs> about licensing IP. It's doing nothing with it. <laughs> just using the names. <laughs> we just... We had a script and we slapped some paint on top of it and called it the Mario Brothers movie. Uh, and they paid like five million dollars, I think, for the rights. I think it was so I think it was either it was between two and five million for the rights, and then they yeah they barely use it. A tenth of the total budget. I think without the Super Mario paint on it, no one remembers this movie. But I mean, IMDb calls this thing two Brooklyn plumbers, Mario and Luigi must travel to another dimension to rescue a princess from the evil dictator King Koopa and stop him from taking over the world, which is fair, but I think it loses a lot of the flavor of in this shit mushroom cloud. Uh, I'd call this Mad Mario Rainbow Road, but terrible. What's your take on this, Chumpzilla? Bob Hoskins, John Leguizamo, and Dennis Hopper star in a dark, satirical reimagining of Mary Trump's Too Much and Never Enough apparently directed by David Cronenberg's non-union Mexican equivalent. <laughs> David Cronenberg? Sure, why not? See. See, si. <laughs> si, bueno. And TW, what is your spiciest take in well, a single sentence? I, I mean, Trumpzilla just sort of stole my thunder by mentioning Mary Trump, but I'll just, because I, I was going to say this is Welcome to Trump's America 2028. 
I there look if you based on how this podcast is going to go, listener, you probably will not watch this film because we won't recommend it. But if you do choose to go watch it, I would bet any amount of money Dennis Hopper was like, uh, so Koopa is Trump in the 80s? Trump in the 80s. That's what I'm going to do. It's, uh, it's like shocking how parallel they seem. <laughs> he's got shitty hair. He's a bad leader. He just kind of, you know, is in it for himself and uses people. Yeah, yeah. Trump. No yes. problem. Uh, constantly in search of uh, his own intelligence validation has to make everyone dumber so he can be the smartest person it's it's, it's wild well it, it is it's, not he, a subtle picture no he, he's an egomaniac and uh, the movie is set effectively in New York so yes I mean Donald Trump was very much a New York fixture at the time so it makes sense that they would draw inspiration for the evil maniacal leader of uh, uh, Dino Hatton God, I hate that name. Oh, all right. So let's let's talk oh. about this plot. This movie opens in an exposition dump by way of video game graphics that asks, "What if instead of killing all the dinosaurs when the meteor struck the Earth, it created a parallel dimension where the dinosaurs lived on?" Does it sound like a dumb premise? Yes, but it prepares you for how stupid and actively aggressively dumb this movie's about to be. And uh, who was the narrator for that exposition dump? Oh, I know this. Uh, it was Frank Castanella, better known as Homer Simpson. Go! Go! Yeah, yeah. And fun fact, they added that after test screenings of the movie because people were so confused what was going on. They had to add an exposition dump just to get people up to speed. The thing that drives me nuts about that, though, is this movie is constantly telling you what the plot is. Like, the characters will stop multiple times throughout the film and tell you what the plot is. And even with that, they were like, you know what? We need two minutes just right up front. As dumb as possible. Here you go. But I mean, it's very obvious that it's tacked on because the next scene we get is a secondary prologue, Brooklyn, 20 years ago. Yep. And uh, it, it also just doesn't match the feel of the rest of the movie at all. Like, it, it's funny because it's like somebody remembered, wait, this is based on a video game. Could we, like, cheaply, like, a couple dinosaurs are talking and explain the movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah they, they did that at the last minute, and there were three different versions of that, but they were all basically the same graphically, just slightly different copy that the dinosaurs read back and forth. So but they didn't have much to work with. That's pretty much all they got to choose from was pretty much that. <laughs> Tacked on the prologue, yet had time to create a uh, sequel stinger for the end of the film and an after credit scene. And we are going to get there. It is spectacular. In the disappointment? <laughs> uh, so the second prologue we get is set Brooklyn 20 years ago. It is a dark and stormy night, and a young mother leaves a basket on the steps of the church to be found by some nuns. Uh, this mother runs into the night where she encounters Koopa, and we've talked about this. Koopa is played by Dennis Hopper, but this is a fully human Koopa. He doesn't look anything like any of his incarnations at any point in any of the games, and you wouldn't know it was Koopa until she literally says, Koopa! I'm just confused. I'm going to be honest. I didn't research this because I wanted you guys to answer it for me on the pod. 
what's the difference between like Koopa Trump and Bowser? Are they the same thing? They are the same. Okay. Because that really confused me. I, I didn't realize that Bowser was considered to be like King Koopa. Bowser is King Koopa. He They're later the became thing. Bowser in the canon of okay. games. He started okay. as King okay. Koopa. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that makes it a Understood. little bit weird. I also found it strange that Koopa, when we first see him, is very obviously dressed in a general's uniform. Um, I, again, I don't know why. I, I have some th- thoughts that he's part of a military junta against the, I guess, the correct Mushroom King. But it, it, it's never really explained. Well, you, the, the Goombas are all in quasi-military outfits as well. When they're Goombified, they all get those weird jackets, the blocky yeah. jackets and whatnot. I, just, and I don't. You see, you see some military-styled posters like, be all you can be or be all the Goomba you can be and stuff. So it's clearly that it's some <laughs> sort of quasi-paramilitary group. Yeah, but anyway. So in any case, Koopa demands the rock. He wants the rock. We don't know what the rock is. We he demands the rock, uh, but unfortunately, rocks fall. Everyone dies, and it kills the young woman, uh, the mother. Uh, we then see the nuns take the basket inside and find a pointy rock crystal and a large egg, and that egg hatches, and a baby girl is born. My first real question: Did these nuns think they had found the Antichrist? I mean, it's some real fucked up shit to have a baby, a human baby pop out of an egg. Like, you know, Damien just had 666 on his scalp. This chick came out of an egg. Just fully formed out of an egg. Yes. I mean, you got to be spritzing holy water and saying the power of Christ compels you. (laughs) At a bare minimum, right? You'd have questions, even as a nun. Even if science wasn't your thing, you'd understand how babies are born, right? Well, assuming they're Catholic, I'm assuming the sex ed wasn't very strong. That's fair. And they're nuns. Um, but I think if you rewatch that scene, you'll see at least one of the nuns look very disappointed because she was thinking she was going to have a bitchin' omelet. That would have like, oh, it's omelet. a baby. Damn it. Can't eat that. Or can I, we? Can we? <laughs> uh, smash cut to Brooklyn now. And we meet Mario and Luigi. Two working-class plumbers who are down on their luck. They'll take any job they can get, but they're frequently beat to the punch by Scapelli Construction. We also meet the NYU student, which they use NYU's actual branding, colors, logo. Yes. I mean, look, it's 1993. You're making the Super Mario Brothers movie. I guess that lends some credence. But I want to know who made that decision and if they're still around at NYU. So... I'd also like to point out at this point, the movie introduces us to our two main characters, Italian plumbers living in Brooklyn, played by a British guy and a Puerto Rican guy. I believe John Leguizamo is Colombian, but do not quote me on this. Born in Colombia, his dad is at various points in time. He's claimed Puerto Rican heritage through his father. So, but he very much sounds like he very much sounds like a Puerto Rican guy from Queens, which is what he is. So I just and, think that's uh, that's funny. Bob Hoskins sounds like a British guy doing as hammy a New York accent as humanly possible. He, right. he really does. And yeah, he's like 25 I, I years Leguizamo senior as well. Like Listen, Hoskins I was love, 50 when he filmed this. Yeah, there's a lot I of questions love about Hoskins their, accent in this. Yeah, yeah, it, it's believable. I mean, Get I, your I, tools. I, come yeah, on. Come I, on. I will say, I'll say this: Hoskins pulls it off. I don't have a problem with really. 
I, I don't want to say any of the acting, but of our core cast, I don't know that acting was their problem here. Like, I, I don't, I don't feel like the choices that got made in the accents were what took me out of it. No, that's uh, a good point. I, I'm not knocking uh, the performances. I just think the accent was funny. It, yeah. it wasn't really believable, but yeah, they were trying. I mean, as much as a couple guys that were drinking before every take could, but anyway, moving on. <laughs> Listen, I, I can't hardly fault them. Hang on. Yeah. Oh, I'll drink to that. Anyway, Daisy is the leader of a paleontological dig at the Brooklyn Bridge. She's having trouble with Scapelli. See? Scapelli's a bad guy. He, they fight the Mario brothers and Daisy uh, because Scapelli wants to continue construction and her site is, or her dig is holding up the construction or whatever. So he threatens that she might get disappeared like several other girls, um, which we later learn Daisy is being followed by two of Koopa's idiot henchmen, Iggy and Spike, which they're described as cousins to both each other and to Koopa himself. The less you think about it, the better. Um, but either way, they're incredibly cre creepy and clearly stalking her, uh, where she encounters the Mario brothers and Luigi immediately falls for her. So she goes with them basically to escape Iggy and Spike. So second question was that the better choice between Iggy and Spike and the two plumbers, one of whom cannot even talk to him or talk to her because he is so tongue-tied and the other who just, at, at this point, Bob Hoskins really stares very, very hard at Daisy like, yeah, you want to invite her to dinner? It's going to be a good time. Come on, hang out with us, get in the van. Was there a right choice? That's what I'm asking. Well, obviously the Mario Brothers are actually nice. The other two That's are fair. sort of delivering her to a fascist madman in another dimension. So I guess the right Good choice point. is made. But... Yeah, so uh, maybe that's not a fair question. Not that it's the did she make the right choice, because obviously she did make the right choice. More, that couldn't have been an easy call to make. Is that the call you'd have made? Or would you just kind of... You know what? I'm going to walk home. It's cool. I have a pretty stern philosophy that if uh, two men approach me on the middle, you know, the middle of the street and offer me a ride and one of them is so uh, beside himself he can't talk while the other one whispers in his ear staring at me, I'm not getting in that van. That's, that's what I'm saying. It's, not, it's not happening. She goes very willingly. Uh, she seems like kind of an idiot. I, I'm questioning her pedigree as a paleontologist because she doesn't think about anything in this movie. She's part dinosaur, though, so some of that's got to be instinctual. Yeah, I thought she was part yeah. fungus. Well, they're uh, all evolved from reptiles. Fair. I sense that if it were a problem, she could unhinge her jaw and eat John Leguizamo, and I feel like that would be enough to scare away Bob Hoskins in the moment. I mean, of all the bonkers shit that happens in this movie, had she eaten one of their heads, I would have been like, yeah, pretty par for the course. No, that, that tracks. That tracks. Uh, I, I guess what you're saying is we should have gotten a sexy uh, Howard the Duck-style uh, romantic scene with her and Yoshi then. I mean, we were pretty close, weren't we? I mean, did you see that tongue? Anyway. <laughs> yeah, so in any case, they do save her from Iggy and Spike, and... 
she agrees to go on a double date uh, where we meet Danielle, Mario's girlfriend, who is way out of his league. Uh, I, I get it. Dumpy, dumpy working class dude, hot girlfriend. But it, it was semi-distracting. <laughs> Who's clearly played by, hey, can we get Marissa Tomei? Uh, somebody that looks like Marissa Tomei? Good enough. Close enough. She's only going to say yeah. like four lines. It's fine. Daisy brings Luigi to the dig site at the end of the day, just as Capelli's henchmen are sabotaging the site. They open the water pipes and they're like, oh, thank God, you're a plumber. But Luigi's like, oh, shit, I don't know how to use my tools. We better go get my actual plumber brother. Meanwhile, Iggy and Spike have kidnapped Danielle, thinking she's Daisy. They take her across the porter, find out she's the wrong person, and come out just as Mario and Luigi manage to fix the plumbing problem. They knock Mario and Luigi unconscious and kidnap Daisy. The plumbers wake up in just enough time to hear Iggy and Spike dragging Daisy through the portal. They're screaming, and you can kind of see Daisy's head come through the rock portal. Yes, uh, all this insane shit happens. I just want to point out, they're flooding the dig site. These two assholes have enough time to run to the Mario Brothers apartment and come all the way back to fix the leak. How big is New York in this strange oddity of a film? So my two answers for that are, one, they're at the Brooklyn Bridge. They're only going to Brooklyn. So maximum, it's a mile or two. Two, they needed that time to let Iggy and Spike go back with Danielle and then come back to knock them out. So it, I get why they did it, but it is a little jarring that you're like, like this water is gushing out of the pipes. It, it's like hundreds of gallons every second. And they're like, oh, we'll just go get him and we'll bring him back and it's fine. And let's also note that this is a visual cue from the game. They tried to give us pipes. Like, look, pipes, just like the game. So they really doubled down on the plumbers from Brooklyn aspect of the Mario Brothers here. And I'm okay with it because I like that that's what the Mario Brothers are. But you definitely get like, I've been around pipes my whole life. It's this way. I can hear. I can I can tell my echolocation with the pipes. And it's it's pretty intense. And by intense, I think I mean dumb as shit. So they see Daisy screaming through the interdimensional portal wall, which is some kind of weird stone thing. Uh, Luigi manages to grab her necklace, which actually has the rock on it, uh, and then jumps through the portal. I think we actually get some decent physical comedy out of Bob Hoskins about going through the portal. He does this very Three Stooges curly-esque, like, "Mm, I'm going to reach for the thing. I don't know about the thing. Uh, But eventually he falls through and... The brothers wind up in Dino Hatton because if man with a capital M lives in Manhattan, then the dinosaurs must live in Dino Hatton. So Dino Hatton is Times Square in the 80s, dirty and dystopian, full of neon leather, uh, random sparks, and just so much fungus. Uh, I'd also like to note this is 25 minutes into an, a movie that has 140 minutes before we finally get to the quote-unquote Mushroom Kingdom. So we cut to Koopa, who explains for us the plot yet again. Uh, This time he does it for Lena, but really the audience, that he's going to use the rock and the princess to merge Koopa world and the human world, and that's that's his whole plan. 
because it turns out the rock is the meteorite that killed the dinosaurs from the beginning, and Daisy is the lost princess, uh, and Iggy and Spike are the ones who are responsible for kidnapping all these other these other women that have been mentioned. We cut back to the brothers who lose the rock to a heavyset woman in red leather spikes. All right, meet- again, I'm going I'm to break in here. Who's that supposed to be? Uh, that's supposed to be Birdo? Big Bertha. And Big Bertha. hold on to that, because that will feature later in the uh, in the trivia section. Okay. That's from the little-known uh, Super Mario Brothers 2 uh, warp portal, where you go to the S&M club, and Mario has to seduce a lady in leather. Uh, not many people have found that door, because it doesn't fucking exist. <laughs> Which... Okay. This movie is I mean, so stupid. And, and to be fair, Mario 2, you know, actually wasn't a, a Mario game to begin with. They just repurposed another game because they wanted to get the yeah, sequel out Super so fast. Super Boy so Boy, I know, yes. So that's why that's so freaking weird. Just like this fucking movie. What yeah. part of this is Mario Brothers other than the coat of paint with Luigi, Mario, and Koopa? Between her and uh, King Koopa's secret police that are all wearing, like, leather outfits and look like it's like a reunion okay. to the village with people studs that spell out police yes. they have studs, studs yeah police. across oh their backs yeah and those guys are clearly supposed to be the spike shells right those are the spike shells i guess from the game that's that's sure. all i can assume sure why I mean, not? again they're trying to give us a visual clue there or cue clue and cue whatever Ooh, i'm, I'm getting a clue um yeah, they're trying to give us something there, but yeah, it's still like, what the hell is this? It looks like bad stuff from Mad Max. I'm like, what's going yeah, on and, here? And then we get to meet Toad, who instead of being the plucky young Mushroom Kingdom citizen with a distinctive hat, is a busker who sings anti-Koopa song. Played um, by none other than Mojo Nixon, fellow Miami alumnus. He's essentially Dino Hatton's Bob Dylan, so he, anti-authority. Elvis is everywhere. Elvis is everywhere. Except for the evil anti-Elvis. Everybody's got a little bit of Elvis in them, except for one person. The evil anti-Elvis. Michael J. Fox has no Elvis in him. So Toad gets arrested by the aforementioned police with the very S&M uniforms, which is fine. Um, and the Mario brothers also get arrested because they're going to stick up for First Amendment rights and say, hey, you can't arrest a guy for singing anti-Koopa songs. And they're like, yeah, we can. And so they get arrested and processed. And this is where we get the first canonical version of I'm Mario Mario and this is Luigi Mario because we're the Mario brothers. And I I hate this. Like, I, tell me how you guys feel about this. But this was always the dumb pedant that you were friends with that was like well they're the mario brothers so mario must be their last name which makes him mario mario and him luigi mario and it's just so fucking stupid yeah well actually frankenstein is the doctor the monster is just the monster that's not true because the guy who invented the creature is the real monster yeah correct (laughs) yeah uh it's still Frankenstein's monster, so... I just... Uh, I have a note for 2018's Internet Outrage. Remember when you were really pissed off about how Han Solo got his last name? Imagine seeing this shit when you're 10 years old. God. <laughs> Han Han? Hello, I'm Han Han. 
And this is my friend Chewy Han. Yeah. Uh, I just, we're going to move on, but they spend a good like 30 seconds to a minute just on this bit. And, and that is aggressive for me. It's a strong commitment to, to, to the bit. Like very strong. I, I just, I don't get it. But in any case, they wind up getting put into, I guess I'd call it a cage less than a cell. Uh, directly below Toad, who now has a harmonica, but notably none of his other personal effects. So I'm just assuming he hid that in the old prison wallet uh, as he's playing harmonica, and he explains again, oh, this is Dino Hatton. Uh, I think Koopa is the bad guy. The The mushrooms are actually the king. Yeah, so here... Throw this in here. Fun fact again, Toad played by Mojo Nixon. The uh, producers of the film actually wanted Tom Waits for that role, but they couldn't get him, which which seems really weird. Um, and Mojo Nixon's agent pitched him to the producers. He said, Hey, he's like a third rate Tom Waits at half the price. Which, if this movie is anything, it's a third rate <laughs> product at half the price. Yeah, that checks out. That checks out. For the record, though, I mean, Mojo Nixon uh, is like the most insightful character of the film who somehow knows everything that is actually happening and is right about everything and is the only Goomba who's able to keep his humanity. Ah, what? that brings us to Koopa confronting the brothers and threatens them with the Devo Chamber, which is not a room where they just play Whip It on repeat. But it's a machine that when you jam someone inside it, you can... It forces you to watch Down of Dr. Monroe over and over and over again. (laughs) And at a certain point, you just lose it. Based on the attire, (laughs) though, it feels like it would be a room where you were just forced to watch the Whip It video on repeat. And ultimately, for the, the citizens of the Mushroom Kingdom, or Dino Hatton, I guess is what we should be calling it, it turns them into Goombas, which look absolutely nothing like the little angry mushrooms, but are instead like nine foot tall, hulking, bipedal humanoids, except they've got a little bitty head that's sometimes very reptilian looking and sometimes only kind of reptilian looking. Um, yeah. Yep. Sometimes it looks like something totally different. Sometimes it's like a snake. Sometimes it's like a little more human snake it's really i don't know where this came from and there's not Uh, like i have a lot of questions about this well i don't understand so they 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 were clearly going for the dinosaur angle so they took the artistic liberties with the goomba design there and they were inspired by that one scene in beetlejuice where he gets his head shrunk yep and they thought that was a fun gag so they decided to go with that for all the goombas what about that but like times 20 like if one of like those times 100 is funny, yeah if one of those characters is funny 20 of those characters has to be at least yeah. you know like 20 times funnier yeah, yeah. right and, and the like weird snap. thing is they were aware of the production of jurassic park going on at the same time so they All purposely 93 right purposely made their dinosaurs a little more cartoony because they wanted to uh differentiate themselves from the more realistic dinosaurs in Jurassic Park. Oh, I don't think the dinosaurs would have been the problem. 
Maybe it would have been the <laughs> snot no, I... covering the entire city and the testicle that descends from a pipe in the king's throne room. So back to my Cronenberg thing, man. Yeah, this movie gets weird for like no good reason. Like Very there's weird. definitely parts of this movie that lack chill. This movie lacks a significant amount of chill at several instances. <laughs> like the Devo chamber stuff, pretty intense. That's like pretty intense for a 10 year old. It's a little dark. It's a little, okay. it's a little scary. We're going to rob you of personhood and put you as part of our army. Also, you're it, not going to be technically human anymore. And, and it's meant to be terrifying because the people are like screaming as it happens to them. It's like it's not like a, a snap and it's done procedure. It's like, oh, that appears to be painful. They can actually feel their humanity being ripped from them as they're converted into some reptilian stormtrooper. Yes, they are. <laughs> yes, they become King Koopa's secret SS who fire uh, flame balls at people. Another visual cue that. It's like, oh, there's there's flame balls in the game. Why don't this we get these ridiculous was, yeah. guns? It, yeah, Fire. yeah. Fire. I tell you what, those guys, they, they go to those uh, internment camps and they get converted into stormtroopers and now they're ready to patrol the streets of Portland. Why wouldn't you? Why would... Ugh. Oh, wait. It, so, they, so the Mario Brothers do escape the Devo chamber by basically putting up a bare minimum of a fight. Yeah, I got a I got a lot of beef with uh, how ineffective the Goombas seem to be at their jobs. Not to mention, it makes no sense that their heads shrink and they grow to be nine feet. Uh, but they literally like get their hands on King Koopa like immediately. It's when your plan is effectively get him, put him in the chair, and it works. <laughs> yeah. You're kind of like, I feel like it, it's not going to be that hard to overthrow this dude. But okay, so they do. Throw Koopa in the chair, and he gets slightly de-evolved. But don't worry, that's, that actually has no impact on the rest. of It's just kind of like a, look, he looks kind of slightly angrier for a second. But I don't know if Dennis Hopper was like, if you try to stick me in a makeup chair for any more than the amount of time that it is to make my hair look like this weird fucking cornrow thing you're doing, fuck you, I'm out of here. And whatever they did to his eyebrows. Oh, I know. I just So we do get to see, though, that Koopa uses the reverse version of this ray on Iggy and Spike and makes them smart and sends them after so, the brothers. So which one's Eric and which one's Don Jr.? <laughs> uh, I would say... Wait. Uh, which Iggy one is, is which? The one... Hang on. Iggy is the one with the, the sideburns. It... Okay, like... so Fisher yeah. Stevens' character is yes. definitely Don Iggy. Jr. Yeah. Because yeah, he's always Jr. throwing the other one under the bus. Yes. Oscar winning Fisher Stevens. Uh, Fisher Stevens is the man. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and Spike, being the dumber one, is most certainly Eric. <laughs> just, I'm, so, just I'm sorry, Rich Edson. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I mean, this all checks out. Fr- friend of the pod, Rich Edson. Yeah, Rich, Rich, you didn't deserve that. Yeah, you're he, a good, he, you're he a good person. He, he was in Howard the Duck. This is his second appearance. Yeah. Uh, welcome, welcome back, Rich. Loves playing dumb henchman. <laughs> so then Koopa confronts Daisy in the rapiest way possible. We talked about how this movie has no chill. This is a literal line from this film. You know what they say about little girls. They never forget the first time they're kissed by a lizard. And then the long prehensile tongue thing. And I'm just like, who is... Are you just trying to traumatize the audience of children that are here? And John Travolta was taking notes there and said, ha, I'm going to do that in a movie someday. I'm going to work that into a movie. That tongue gag is great. 
I gotta yeah. use that somehow. That's give uh, me like yeah. seven years. I'm gonna work that right back in. Yep. Uh, this is also where we get to meet Yoshi, which is basically a complicated dinosaur puppet that looks nothing like Yoshi from the games, and that's fine too. Uh, no, I, I that is the best part of this movie, but it, it is very it, well done. It appears to be from a completely different movie. This is a horror movie. This is like when they remade Snow White as a horror movie with Sigourney Weaver. Like this shit is nightmare fuel the entire time. Yeah, that that, that I mean the dinosaur is so well done, it is unnerving. Like it is creepy it's unsettling and i get it they try to make its eyes big so it look a little friendlier and it's not portrayed as being threatening at all initially initially until it is but it's so goddamn weird uh it's very yeah. strange it's um, just like I, I made the joke that it looked like one of the monsters from the the flashback scenes in jacob's ladder you know it's like what the hell is this thing this again, horrifying this, dinosaur creature this, this, this is looks a very lifelike yeah. This is a microcosm of this film where none of this hangs together at all. There was no vision here. No. You know, like Chumzilla, you mentioned the games don't really have a story, and they don't. But you could have made a, a fun, whimsical little adventure cartoon where Mario saves the princess from a castle against a dragon of sorts. Instead, they settled on, nope. Dino Hatton Hitler is going to infiltrate the other dimension and ethnically cleanse the ape people. That's what they settled on for a kid's movie. Yeah. I think it's fair to say they took their inspiration from the first Ninja Turtles movie with like, hey, these these darker, edgier kids' movies can work. I well, get I that. About Batman four years before. That's exactly what that was. Yeah. In 89... But... Every the only thing everybody remember about Batman was the 1964 Adam West thing. Yeah. So, but my point being is that both those properties, though Batman and the Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, uh, you know, those all lend themselves to a darker tone because they are darker properties. You're talking about the freaking bright 2D uh, world of Super Mario Brothers. In fact, Super Mario World had just come out like on Super Nintendo. So that's probably one of the most brightly colored, cartoonish, friendly, completely not threatening versions of that game. Now, there's always some tension in the game. I think it's one thing that they sort of picked up on and tried to use because I will admit some of those castle levels and the fire levels, there are they are ominous. The music, let you know, yeah, that it's going to be, you know, oh, man, this is serious. The intensity's picked up. So they're not completely without like threat. But it's still very cartoony. It's bright. It's light. So again, this kind of tone—it's a really weird direction to go with the Super Mario Brothers property. And again, they were—that was the flavor of the day, and they were trying to use it. And uh, it did not work. We'll get to this later. But the, you know the, who the uh, initial script was written by, don't you? Uh, his name escapes me, but he's the guy that wrote Rain Man. So just think about that for a second. They hired the guy that wrote Rain Man to write a Super Mario Brothers movie. That's the foundation this is built on. Well, that's this foundation is uh, is weak. Do you know what they called on sand? Do you know what they called the original script? Like jokingly, they called it Drain Man because it was basically a road comedy with Mario and Luigi in a car together, a la Rain Man. I'm not making this up, folks. These are true stories. How, 
I would have accepted a comedy out of this, but I'm not sure that's what this is. This is an action film with some comedic element. Oh, they rewrote it. They rewrote it. But the, the initial oh, script, the initial crazy. script, they jokingly referred to as Drain Man because it was a, a road buddy movie. And there was some like Mario Kart-esque racing in it and a desert scene and stuff like that. But anyway, moving Well, on. speaking of desert scenes, that's where we find <laughs> Mario and Luigi. Uh, Iggy and Spike also go after them. They are immediately subdued by the Mario brothers, uh, and they explain the plot one more time, in case you didn't catch it, Koopa is going to merge the dimensions using the rock and the princess, and this is what's going to happen. Uh, and, but the newly intelligent Koopalings agree to help overthrow Koopa. Uh, we get to meet some shy guys who, in this dimension, dress in gimp suits and masks, because why wouldn't they? Uh, and uh, they have to go get the piece of meteorite back from Big Bertha, where we get Bob Hoskins doing a seductive dance scene. I'm your main man. Can you hit me again? Ah, I just uh, I love your knuckles. Where he literally tries to bite the necklace from between this woman's breasts. And as I'm watching it, I just... Why is this movie so horny? I don't understand. It's so weird. So weird. It's like they watched Tower of the Duck and said, yeah, that that's what we're going to go for. We're going to do this, but better. Uh, so the brothers invade Koopa Tower, but to better disguise themselves, they put on their video game style outfits, the red and blue and green and blue overalls. It is an hour into this movie there is only 30 minutes left of this movie with credits 66 minutes in to be precise and those costumes don't look good the colors are right but they don't look good but the colors don't match dante's fifth circle of hell which is the rest of the sets of the movie yes yeah they they look completely out of place but they're like oh we're gonna blend in with these these yeah. Costumes or the, this outfit we found in a locker somewhere in Koopa Tower. The only and just... <laughs> two guys wearing red or green because everybody else is wearing some shade of black. <laughs> it's so completely true. Oh, I missed uh, we 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 missed the needle drop of uh, Walk the Dinosaur, but that was the thing I, that happened. So you speak of this movie being horny, and we all know what Walking the Dinosaur actually means don't we no no what what does it mean to walk the dinosaur uh thunderous wizard please thunderous wizard cash please tell me uh what that is so this is from urban dictionary but walking the dinosaur is when a man walks or jogs without wearing underwear and his genitalia is visible that is what walking the dinosaur is first of all i think it's insulting you made us believe that you had to look that up on urban dictionary no i do like yeah. you you just weren't ready for it immediately you know how i found that out i was watching some... <laughs> no but i i feel like this story is way more interesting than the urban dictionary bullshit you tried to feed us i, I was watching some stupid show it might have been uh the show i just hate uh the show they just talk about hollywood gossip you know, sure that with true. Harvey Levin or whatever his name is. I don't fucking know. I and don't, it's uh, I don't watch TV. TM, talk, TMZ, TMZ. TMZ. And it was a segment yeah. with Arnold Schwarzenegger, and he was like at the beach, and all of a sudden they 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 make that reference and start playing the song and just zoom in on his crotch. 
<laughs> That's how I, I want to be dinosaur. <laughs> and it kept like rewinding and going back. Rewinding and going back. Open the door. Get on the floor. Everybody walk the dinosaur. All right. Yeah, we're gonna so. we're gonna move on. Sorry. <laughs> Welcome back. Uh, so they're going to help Daisy escape the tower and save the other Brooklyn babes. Uh, and apparently Danielle was supposed to go to WrestleMania 9 with Mario, which is sad because they're going to miss uh, Yokozuna pinning Brett the Hitman Hart. Uh, they escape from the tower, but in the chase, Lena Koopa's gun mall manages to get a hold of the rock and merge the world, but the process kills her, uh, which is why we learned they need Daisy to do it, because only she can survive the merging process. Why is that? NTKM. You're so, in the wrong fucking movie. So much backstory Wait. here that well, she, not filled in. She's royalty. She's royalty. She's, she's you know, uh, she's like Elsa. She's like the fifth spirit. She's the bridge between the two worlds. There it is. The bridge between the two worlds. So, man, uh, Disney just stole all kinds of shit from this movie. Between that <laughs> and the snap uh, effects. <laughs> oh, yes. And that's it. That's exactly right. As the worlds merge. We absolutely get a pre-Infinity War snap-like effect where Koopa and Mario, and only Koopa and Mario, sort of dissolve and wind up in actual New York at the the dig site for the Brooklyn Bridge. Why are they there? Again, you're, you're thinking too hard. But Scapelli is there, and using the super scope, like the actual fucking super scope that you got to play on Super Nintendo... Koopa de-evolved Scapelli into a chimpanzee. That doesn't... He, yeah, doesn't he shoots like for Mario, he misses. Yes. Why he wasn't using um, that gun the entire time he was fighting Mario? Yeah. Not when, really clear. Uh, also, they painted the Super Scope black because this movie is metal. It's yeah, so I mean, dark. I wanted to make that comment, too. It's, it's a Super Scope. Clearly, it's a Super Scope. But yeah, they just dipped it in some like, matte black paint and said, yep, look, totally different. That's a prop. So Daisy and Luigi manage to separate the stones and the worlds unmerge. Uh, and the brothers do eventually defeat Koopa with a babam, which looks like a babam. Like, I was happy to see that the babam was here. I do want to know why they put Reebok stickers on the bottom of the babam's feet. But maybe. Product placement? What do you mean? Why? Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Money. Gotta pay them Money. bills. That was the answer. Money. You know, that's yeah. fair. That's fair. And they were actually uh, going to film a much bigger climax involving the bomb, but they ran out of money, so they just <laughs> did what they did. And what they did was the Mario Brothers get a hold of the Super Scopes, uh, the Devo guns, and shoot Koopa with them, and he turns into, interchangeably, a humanoid T-Rex, then a regular T-Rex, and then basically just primeval slime. Uh, out of nowhere, Daisy's father is restored. Uh, we kind of glossed over this, but Daisy's father has been the fungus in the city the entire time. And he's in this Cronenbergian, like, gooey... He's a snot monster. It's yeah. disgusting. Yeah. So it's the really... funny thing, too, is throughout the movie, Luigi begins to you know, kind of enter a commune. With trust the fungus. Trust the fungus, which becomes kind of their may the force be with you. And he, he, he develops this theory. I feel like you're overselling it. 
Well, but he, but he, but they clearly try to imply that he's developed a theory or a belief system that the fungus is trying to help them because he was listening to Mojo yes. Nixon, and I would recommend listening to Mojo Nixon too because if you don't know Mojo Nixon, then your store could use some fixing. That's a dead milkman reference. Uh, we'll come back to that. So anyway, uh, they actually at various points Luigi like tries to pick the mushrooms and like you know, have a bond with him. And and then Mario does eventually use a mushroom at some point as a shield, right? Yeah. Yes, at the very end, against the Devo gun. Uh-huh. Which which really made me angry, because like, they could have done more again as a reference to the source material, but that's really it. They they do use a mushroom in the movie, and it turns into a, it grows into a shield, well, briefly. It's not exactly true, because at the start of the movie, as they're both down on their luck and watching shitty television, they both decide to eat shrooms with Nicolas Cage's cat, and then dream the rest of the film. That checks that, out. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. That would make as much sense as what we encounter here. Um, ultimately, Daisy decides she needs to stay to fix the world that Koopa has destroyed with her father, the Fungus King. Just like Elsa. Just like Elsa. Weeks later, the brothers are getting ready for dinner again when Daisy shows up post-apocalyptic style. She's got a new mission. She needs help. Doc Brown style. Yeah, completely stealing Doc Brown style. Yeah. Which, the thing that drives me nuts about this one scene is the entire movie has been cyberpunk dystopia so that she shows up locked and loaded and like, there's some serious shit going on. It's like, it. if you'd have treated me to a whimsical fun adventure and now it's getting serious there would be some sort of like sequel hook there as it stands. It's just like, you got to come help me. I really need someone to, to do my dishes because that's just how we do it here. It's at this point you come to realize that the writer of the movie uh, was told, Hey, we're going to do Mario brothers. And when he went and played the game, he was actually playing Duke Nukem. So kind of accounts for all the oddities. Oh, of the yeah. <laughs> the we sex do- club and such. We do I have come here to kick ass and chew bubblegum, and I'm all out of bubblegum. We do also get a post-credit scene where a shadowy man identified only as wearing white opera gloves confronts Mario and asks him to be part of the Smash initiative. It's, it's, it's not that, but if it was that, that'd be fucking really cool. Wait, who's, wearing white, who's wearing the white the gloves? The master hand. Smash Brothers wouldn't oh. come out for like another four years, but oh. really what it is, it's a pair of Japanese businessmen who want to make a video game based on the exploits of fucking Iggy and Spike, and they decide that the movie should, or the video game should be called Super Koopa Cousins Cut the Black. The Aristocats! Oof. Oh, this movie. So... I'll uh, throw in my little quick observation here at this point because you kind of hinted at it. It's clear to me that the people that worked on this movie, competent filmmakers, most of which with decent Hollywood careers at this point, had no idea what the property was they were using. I think they had a very cursory knowledge of the franchise, and they were just like, yeah, yeah, Mario, Luigi, we'll 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 just whip something up. Nobody here actually seemed to be a fan or care whether or not they were actually being true to these characters. That's probably one of the biggest problems this movie has because it's it's barely a Mario movie. It's just got a coat of paint on it. That's about it. 
Listen, I think that's fair, but it's also probably worth remembering that this was made in 92, it was shot in 92 and released in 93, where there wasn't a lot of story behind Mario. We, we kind of hinted at it earlier, but, you know, is it King Koopa or is it Bowser? Is it Princess Peach or Princess Toadstool? Is it Mario Mario or Luigi Mario or is Mario just, there wasn't enough there that I think they really had the ability to like we now in 2020 have the ability to look back on like 40 years of Mario and go why didn't you do all these things but all those things didn't exist then I, I don't disagree that they didn't adopt the tone correctly yeah hold, hold up I'm going to call bullshit on that because what I'm trying to say here is that this movie is much more in the vein visually of Blade Runner, intentionally so, and it's mm-hmm. much more as a like uh, world building exercise. It's a lot more like uh, Mad Max. Both of those worlds are nowhere in any way, shape, or form close to what Mario exists in in any of the properties that exist up to this point. So all I'm saying is that's a really bizarre left turn to take with the direction. Like, hey, what if we take these characters? And this beloved kids game, it's been around for over 10 years, and we throw them into a dystopian hell. Sound good? Well, I'm going to piggyback on that, Chumpzilla, because this reminds me of an anecdote about the 1998 film version of Godzilla by Roland Emmerich, where essentially he was presented with the chance to direct said film. Didn't want to do it, so he created a creature design that he thought would never be approved, but Toho needed the money, so they greenlit it. He had no respect for the property, and we got what we got. And I think, you know, I don't know as much about the behind the scenes of this movie, but they're clearly, uh, obviously Nintendo learned a very hard lesson in that you don't just give something and then give somebody carte blanche. Like, if you don't maintain creative control, a disaster can happen. It just everything about this movie screams we didn't want to make this movie, so we just did whatever the hell we wanted to do, and it's a disaster. So, if you don't love the property, right, and you have a guy write a script and oh, he wrote Rain Man, do you think that guy really gave a shit about the Mario Brothers? Obviously, not. I don't think you have to love the material to adapt it properly, but we've we've mentioned Howard the Duck a couple times. As much as Howard the Duck, I also think Masters of the Universe is the other thing you can compare this to, where it took a child's property and really just was like, you know what? Fucking black leather everywhere. Yeah, I I think there's a comparison to be drawn there for sure. Um, Although I think the S&M angle is much stronger in the He-Man universe to begin with. (laughs) Yeah. So that's less of a departure, but they did take a darker tone with that, and they did avoid some of the more recognizable aspects of that franchise as well. Um, But I think they kept it much closer to the source material. At the end of the day, you've got He-Man battling Skeletor. Yeah. And and, and Skeletor is a a skull-headed cloaked figure. Because you get Um, Mario battling Koopa, but at no point is it... King Cooper or Bowser no, yeah. now, now I will say the original script was much more in the vein of trying to like you said Captain Cash Cash 
to build some backstory. And what they wanted to have was Mario and Luigi kind of building a familial relationship that they're like brothers that without parents have to form a bond and get together, kind of a Mutt and Jeff type deal, you know, an odd couple, um, which is more in line sort of the way that visually the characters are portrayed. You got short squat Mario, you got tall Luigi. That's kind of, they're meant to be differentiated from each other. So they were going to kind of show this as they're like a dysfunctional family and they had to get along. And it was a buddy movie about family. It was about family. They wanted to make it about family. So I think they had an idea that might have been a little more wholesome and a a little more kid-friendly, but it wasn't fantastic enough, right? Mm. So as I joked earlier, they wanted to do more with that final battle with Bowser or Koopa. They actually wanted to have Koopa go full T-Rex and have Mario and Luigi battle T-Rex Koopa, but they couldn't couldn't afford to do that. So they went with, we're going to stick Dennis Hopper in a coal bucket and film just the top third of him morphing a little bit and call it good related to that question what in your mind was the most egregious worst use of this property and what was the best start with best so like what did they take from mario that you actually liked and what did they what did they absolutely ruin for you Let's let's kick it over to uh, T.W. Uh, There's very little I think they did well. But one thing I enjoyed was that the bullet bills were the ammo for the uh, super boots. That was like, oh, cool, a bullet bill. Uh, but everything else, I, the whole aesthetic of Super Mario, they just totally fumbled. The weird uh, dystopian cityscape, snot everywhere. It doesn't feel like Mario Brothers at all. And if you weren't familiar with the game, you would just think it's a truly bizarre movie. Mm, that's fair. Chumzilla, what, what's your best use of the IP, worst use of the IP? Uh, I mean, they called the characters Mario and Luigi, so that was pretty strong use of the source material. Okay, I'll not, give them credit for that. endorsement. Okay, what, what was the worst then? Well, I... And I'll, I'll amend my statement. I think probably the most interesting use of the source material was probably the flamethrowers that the Goombas had. Really? So, so I, I enjoyed that they worked that, you know, the, the Bowser level fireballs into the movie in a way that like made sense. I'm like, yeah, okay. That's how they would do that. You get those random fireballs that come flying at you in the game. Okay. You got, you got the, the Koopas, the Koopa Troopas, the Goombas carrying flamethrowers. Like, I, I, I that was kind of neat to me. That's like, Hey, they, they did something a little different and it worked. The worst is the lack of the question boxes. Oh like, yeah, no fair. I, I don't know how that would have worked. I'll be honest with you. I think that'd be very difficult, but I feel like they needed that in there. Cause that's such a part of the game. Um, and to that as an extension, also the lack of the power ups, like they don't, they don't like, they didn't use that power up like, uh, mechanic at all kind of got that with the thwomp boots we we glossed over that when we talked about yeah no i I agree with you but i I wanted the star i wanted the fire flower something yeah just just like because you got this fantastical uh world that you could use and they didn't really they used it all for like evil everything that was like fantastical was (laughs) evil none of it was really good um and i will say this there is one i think reference to the question boxes when they do use the thwomp boots, they put milk crates on their heads and jump through uh, like yeah. the, the, the ceiling or whatever. So it's like there was a box and they're the sort of used their heads, 
but it's like yeah. ah, that's really not it. That's yeah. I feel like you're just kind of you're kind of rubbing my face in the fact that you don't know what you're doing. Anyway, for me, like my two, the thing that worked for me was Bob Hoskins's Mario. I I really bought it. I like look. I know he's doing a, a hammy fucking Brooklyn accent, but he's kind of a short, dowdy. Big fucking mustache having blue collar dude who's a plumber. <laughs> it worked. I thought Mario worked, which is not to say John Leguizamo didn't do a good job. Just the the age difference. You, I got it. It was like it was like. Yeah. you never struck me as much as kid brother as he did here. Yeah. So they were yeah. twenty one years apart when they filmed yeah. this. Hoskins was. 50-ish, and Leguizamo was 30, or excuse me, 29. He wasn't quite 30 yet. So God, it's he pretty big age. He looks so young. Yeah, he God, does. I, don't, I think he's like Paul Rudd. I don't think he ages either. Luigi's, uh, Luigi's player too. He's not supposed to be the eye candy. <laughs> but Listen, no, Bob Hoskins, man? Yeah. Well, what cracks me up about this, too, is that, you know, I think we'd already kind of gotten introduced to Mario's voices. It's Mario! Yeah, you got Hoskins sounds like an angry dude from Brooklyn. It's like, wait a minute. So I don't necessarily agree with that because we had the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. And, uh, you know, hey, guys, I'm Mario. And I forgot I, like, about that. I forgot I about that. I was okay with that. You didn't get that stuff until N64. Okay, that, but, I thought that was part of Super Mario World, but that didn't come no. to Mario 64. No, not really. There wasn't oh. the distinct, the Charles okay. Martinet distinct Mario voice was not a thing yet. Oh, yeah. okay. I, I'm showing my lack of Mario knowledge there. So I, I uh, retract my previous statement. All right. So to end this up, how many beers for this movie? TW, let me hear it. TW Cash, I mean. Give me all six. Give me all, all six. six. Yep. I. <laughs> I was having a hard time getting through this. It's been a long time. I saw this movie on my birth for as a birthday movie way back when, <laughs> 1993. I don't think I've seen it since. This was a struggle. This movie is just a slog. It, at no point was I really having any fun. I did think some of the effects were actually pretty good for a 1993 film. I mean, I know they spent a lot on it, but we've done movies with worse effects than this. I thought. Those held up pretty well. I like the practical effects too, but gosh, it's just so boring and stupid. Okay, strong six over to uh, over to Chumpzilla. I live chatted this viewing with the Thunderous Wizard, and we both were struggling. It just couldn't end fast enough. Um, so it's easily a six beer movie for me. And wow. I would also suggest that you finish your beer when Yoshi shows up. Just. <laughs> You, It'll you make get the, it hurt less. You, you get you get the weird, character. but okay. But the thing is, again, that character is great. It just seems like it's from a different movie. Yeah, and he doesn't I, do a whole lot. No, no, I'm sorry. Yoshi from the Mario games, I really liked. I thought right. it was cool. It was a dino. It was like a dinosaur pet I could ride. That's awesome. That's not what this Yoshi is. Yeah, uh, let me also amend my statement. Say you should also finish your drink when Yoshi's tongue appears. <laughs> because you kind of you glossed over this in your plot description. I did. Uh, Super Mario World was the last game to come out before this movie had started filming, so they definitely took inspiration from it, which is why we got Yoshi, because that was the game that basically introduced Yoshi. Am I wrong? 
No, you're absolutely correct. Yeah. So they wanted to get that into the movie. They didn't do much with it. But what they made sure they At did all. give us was the mechanic of Yoshi eating things when he tries to eat a woman. Like, he tries to consume a human. Like, that's how they decided to go with, hey, you know, that cute dinosaur steed that Mario rides around and he kind of, like, eats eggs and, you know, does stuff? Yeah, let's have him eat a woman. He'll just eat like you. He will he's eat gonna, you in your sleep, little child. He, he's going to use his gecko tongue and he's going to rope in the woman and then start try to, like, gnaw off her legs. Like, what? Yeah, like, yeah, no, we, we glossed over that. Yoshi's uh, technically the pet of the royal family, which makes him Jared Kushner. Yeah, yeah, yes, no, he's, clear, he, he's clearly Jared Kushner, and they both look equally photorealistic. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so for me, this is a five-beer movie. The movie's tones all over the place. It's not good. And it turns Mario into a cyberpunk nightmare, which just doesn't make sense. But I can still still have a good time with it in the, in the sense that it's so bad it's good. Like, what the fuck was everyone thinking when they did this? So I'm still in for it. But yeah, it's not a it's not a good movie at all. You'll definitely want at least five beers to keep this thing moving along. So the other question I have to ask, and I feel like we've all already answered this, but did this movie deserve to flop? Thunderous Wizard, Cash, what do you think? Uh, yep. Yep, I've, I've, I've basically explained why. Yep, just a real quick, yep. Yeah. This is one of the most profitable video game franchises, franchises of all time. It was at the peak when of When this was powers. made, yeah, not, not to like totally cut in here, but when this was made, Mario was more recognizable to children than Mickey Mouse. Yeah, so they, they deserve the poor receipts they got because... You, this was printing printing money if you made something that resembled the game even remotely, and they opted to not do that. Fair enough. All right. Over to uh, Chumpzilla. Did it deserve to flop? Yeah, I'm in the same school of thought as the Thunderous Wizard Cash. I mean, basically, these guys, in their hearts of hearts, thought they were printing money. That's what... That was the Hollywood logic behind this maneuver. They're like, let's get the license to this IP. It's the biggest thing since sliced bread. Kids love it. It's more recognizable than Mickey Mouse. We just got to crank out a decent movie. They got a bunch of people that knew how to make movies. And then they just didn't pay any attention to the property they had licensed. And they just said, hey, we're just going to take these characters and do something really weird with them because it worked for the Ninja Turtles. So let's do that. And it's like not even close to anywhere in the same tone or uh, yeah, you know frame of reference for the source material. Yeah. And more importantly, if you're a kid that loves Mario Brothers and you've been playing uh, Super Mario World for the last couple of years on your SNES and you see this movie, you don't recognize it as Mario Brothers. There's nothing about this movie that just punches you in the face and says, this is a Mario Brothers uh, entertainment vehicle. So, yeah, I mean, I hate to say it because it is an interesting movie and they do a lot of really weird stuff and it's not due to a lack of effort. They were trying really hard for something. As you would say, Captain Cash, you don't strike out this hard unless you're swinging for the fences, right? Perfect Mm -hmm. example of it. Um, You know, I think if they had done this and not as a Mario movie, it could have been 
like you know kind of a cult classic as a weird sci-fi movie yeah but the fact that it's supposed to be a mario brothers movie i think that's what really hurts it in the end and yeah sadly that's it just yeah it just doesn't work as Listen, a mario I, movie i agree i mean look we've we've mentioned it a couple times in this pod but this to me is absolutely the spiritual successor to howard the duck it poorly adapted source material which is barely recognizable it is weirdly horny for a kids movie it managed to rope in a handful of really strong actors including fucking oscar winners who can't elevate the material no matter how hard they try i just and it just it didn't know what it wanted to be ultimately. Like this movie had a wildly troubled production. Like yes. the directors kept changing the script, and they kept pushing it to be more and more adult. Like according to John Leguizamo, at one point when they were shooting the nightclub scene, they hired strippers. So this Actual movie strippers. North, yes, this movie was shot in North Carolina. They hired strippers from North Carolina to come just be the go-go dancers at this nightclub yeah do we uh, do we fail to highlight that when you do get walk the dinosaur it is a choreographed pluto nash-esque entire club uh dance scene uh yeah very cats uh catnip uh, scene where they all start like basically staring in one direction and vibrating violently <laughs> it is it's, it's and again weird. I think one of the most telling things about the strange tone and approach to the source material that this movie took is that there is a titled role for prostitute. Yes, there's somebody casted in this movie and billed under the, the character prostitute, okay? And as Captain Cash had indicated earlier, they allegedly hired local strippers to populate the dance club scene. So look, I, look, 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 look. I know the Mario world. And Birdo is a thing in the Mario world. And $20 is $20. And Birdo is going to do what Birdo has got to do. I'm sorry. When do we turn Mario Brothers into Grand Theft Auto? I don't, I just don't, I don't get it. <laughs> That's next week. That's true. Next week's movie uh, is Postal, which we were going to do this week originally, but we've switched things up. Uh, that movie is horrible. Um, and that world definitely has prostitutes in it. But you know what? Honestly, I have to admit, this is probably the worst movie I've had to watch for this pod so far. Like, I've watched a lot of questionable stuff. It's pretty much wrecked my recommendations on my Amazon Prime video account. Like, the stuff that Prime thinks I want to watch now is just awful. And even with all that in mind, this is by far the worst movie I've had to watch. I'm actually offended that you made me watch it, Captain Cash. Cash. And as a result of that... I am going to throw down the gauntlet. I'm going to say this movie, the Super Mario Brothers movie, is actually deserving of the title of the shit movie championship belt. What do you say to that, sir? I accept this challenge. I will stand on behalf of the Super Mario Brothers movie. Thunderous Wizard Cash, will you act as judge? Oh, it's on like Donkey Kong. Gladly. Who would have a donkey... Dumb. Let me uh, let me just get but, my gavel from the Hammer Brothers and let's go. Oh yeah! All right, when we come back, the shit movie challenge. Welcome back to Hops and Box Office Flops, where the gauntlet has been thrown down. 
the thwomp has landed with a thud. The shit movie challenge. Is it this film, the Super Mario Brothers movie, a film while overreaching, still stumbling, or is it Pluto Nash, the reigning champion, the snooze fest? I, Captain Cash, Cash will take the, the position that no, in fact, this is not the shit movie challenge. Mario Brothers is not the worst film. It is still Pluto Nash. Chumpzilla will be taking the position that this is, in fact, the worst movie we have ever done. And our thunderous wizard, Cash, will be the judge. Judge. So with that in mind, three points you get. Why does this movie deserve the shit movie challenge? To you, Chumpzilla, I will defend. And then we'll each get one minute of rebuttal well first off thank you for hearing my case your honorable judge thunderous wizardness um if i had to break down why this movie sucks the most into three points i would start off with one the absolute bizarre tone for not only a children's movie but for a movie based on a happy shiny colorful video game property that's beloved and well known it's like they never looked at the game. They said, ah, fuck it. Let's do Blade Runner. Like, I, it just doesn't make a bit of goddamn sense based on the source material. And for a kid's movie, it's strangely dark and bizarre. Um, and that just, again, speaks to why it didn't work commercially. The second point I would like to, to emphasize is, again, the movie tries so hard to build this world but ultimately it doesn't make a lot of sense. I've given this movie credit for world building in the past because all the vehicles are electric because in the dinosaur realm, the dinosaurs never went extinct, but I like to rescind that. I actually don't think so no fossil fuels. Yeah, but wait a minute. No, the dinosaurs did die. They just evolved from them. So the dinosaurs did exist in that world. So they would have fossil fuels uh, unless it's taboo to burn the, liquid corpses of your uh, uh, ancestors. But no, I actually think that bit of world building doesn't make any sense. It makes the movie even dumber. Okay, so I can't even give credit for that. It's not even as clever as I thought it was. And thirdly, and the biggest sin and mistake this movie makes is that utter and complete disregard for the source material. Yes, they wink at it. Yes, they hint at it. Yes, there's a Yoshi in this movie, but none of it. And I mean, none of it is recognizably Mario Brothers. And in a movie called The Super Mario Brothers, that shouldn't be a problem you have. And that is just an enormous failure because when you pay millions of dollars for the rights for this property, that's what you're paying for. That's what kids want to see. If you ultimately wanted to make this movie work, it needed to look and feel like The Super Mario Brothers. It does not. They drop some names, there's some visual cues, but they don't even use the iconic music as a way to build on that nostalgia and recognition. It's just a squandering of an enormous amount of material. And that's basically what they were paying for. They paid, and I'll quote, I think it's an LA Times article, they paid millions of dollars for a script that had a three-word plot, Super Mario Brothers, and they didn't use it. And the, and the movie is just a mess. Like I said, it's not recognizable as a Super Mario Brothers movie. And that is why I think it's worse than Pluto Nash, because it squanders a much larger known property and gets no return on it. I rest my case. My honorable fellow co-counsel, the 
Chumpzilla is correct. This is not a good movie. No one could mistake this for a good movie. Anyone saying this is a good movie is clearly lying. But as a shit movie, it is not the worst we have done. It is important to remember there are memorable acting turns from both Bob Hoskins and Dennis Hopper as Mario and Bowser. That look of Bowser is so weird yet so iconic that you still talk about it nearly 30 years later. So I disagree on that level that it doesn't work. Additionally, the storytelling is tight for a kid's movie. There are arcs for the characters. Mario himself has to learn to trust and to believe. And by the end of it, he does trust the fungus. Luigi, who is completely unable to operate on his own, learns to use tools and becomes a master tool person, kind of plumber, as he helps Daisy remove the last stone. There are full character arcs for those individuals. But to your point, the real reason that anyone thinks this is a bad movie is not because of what is in the movie, but what might have been in the movie, what you wanted to be in the movie. And that alone isn't enough to call this a shit movie. The real reason you don't like it is because it is so wildly different from the source material, which, you know what? Yeah, it's it's almost unrecognizable as a Mario Brothers movie. It's unrecognizable as the perfect Mario Brothers movie, and I get that. But here's the thing you have to remember. There were six Mario movies at the filming of this movie. There were three Super Marios. There was two Super Mario Lands, one Super Mario World. They couldn't even agree on whether it was the Mario Mario Brothers. They couldn't agree on King Koopa or Bowser. They couldn't agree on Princess Peach or Princess Toadstool. They had to adapt it. Did they take it in a weird, dark direction that didn't make any sense? Yes, they absolutely did. But they did so in a way that was memorable, wrong, completely unnecessary and incorrect, but memorable. I wouldn't remember anyone who was in Pluto Nash. I wouldn't have even seen Pluto Nash if I didn't have to watch it for this podcast. To that end, this is not the shit movie champion if the thwomp boots do not fit you must acquit okay some stirring arguments there uh from both sides do we uh would we like to rebuttal we have one minute each for rebuttal chumpzilla you may begin thank you your honor well i believe my uh fellow counsel here captain cash cash has made my point for me this movie is worse than pluto nash because it squanders such an illustrious property. There were several games to pull from. They referenced most of them, I guess, yet in a way that does not pay off. It's not recognizable. It's not satisfying. It's not entertaining. Yes, Pluto Nash is also a bad movie. There's no denying that. But it's just a bad movie because it's boring and bloated and stupid. And yeah, Eddie Murphy was not quite the giant star that he was at the time that it was filmed but it does waste some people's talents but nothing in that movie is egregious as the way they waste and misuse the Mario property 
it's just an absolute disappointment and it made children sad and that's why super mario brothers is the worst movie that's very compelling chumzilla uh captain cash you now have your minute to rebuttal chumzilla is still harping on the same problem it wasn't the movie he wanted it to be when he was 10 years old and it's not it's absolutely not no one is going to pretend that this is the perfect Mario movie. But you know what this movie isn't? It's boring. Every 15 minutes, you get some kind of action scene. Every so often, there's some new element that's introduced where you go, oh, hey, I recognize that from the game. Now, is it weird and completely out of place in a number of reasons? Yes, Shy Guys, weird as shit. Why is that there? I don't know. But it is not boring Pluto Nash is the most boring. It squanders the talents of Eddie Murphy, who at his height of power was unfunny. It is a Pluto Nash is a comedy that is unfunny. This is an action movie with some comedy elements that, you know what, isn't necessarily all hung together well. Not the same. This is not the shit movie we have done. Okay, so I, I have uh, had some time to sit behind my bench and absorb uh, your arguments. And for me, it comes down to one very critical thing. Captain Cash, you mentioned that there's all sorts of different games they could pull ideas from. Uh, and Chumzilla, you mentioned that's a negative because they didn't use these ideas in an appropriate manner. And I think what it comes down to for me, uh, they're both high-priced movies. They're both flops, Pluto Nash more so. But this movie was fast-tracked, it was a commodity, and they still fumbled, not even on the goal line, they fumbled on their own one, they never even got started, this movie is a disaster, every idea in it is a disaster, it shows a complete disdain and disregard for the property that it is representing, whereas Pluto Nash was a piece of shit that was getting kicked around Hollywood for a long time, and nobody really wanted to make it, and somehow Eddie Murphy did get it made. That's the biggest difference for me. Pluto Nash was probably never really meant to be any good. This was this was supposed to launch a franchise. And not a single idea in there is worth repeating ever again. It's it is egregious, it's offensive, and anybody who loves the Mario Brothers was certainly a sad kid sitting in that theater. I was one of them. It's unforgivable. And it was so bad that it couldn't even drum up enough repeat business to make its money back. That's how bad this movie is. It has to be the worst movie we've done. It is a close race. I'll give you that. But Pluto Nash was an original IP with a lot of stupid ideas. This movie was based on a very interesting and deep IP with a lot of cool things to pull from, and they didn't use any of it. I think it's fair to say that Pluto Nash is the bigger failure. This movie was more just of an emotional disappointment. This movie made uh, children sad. No, it children... sounds as though it sounds as though my counsel is recu my co-counsel is recusing himself. It's not that it was necessarily a bad movie. It just wasn't the movie he wanted. It was. It wasn't the movie anyone wanted. Our arguments are over. That's fair. My decision. I, I apologize. Made. This is the worst movie. And it is because of how egregious it treats the license. I have a tattoo of Referee Mario from Punch-Out on my arm, counting to seven. Guess what? Pluto Nash didn't get up. 
He got knocked the fuck out. This is the worst movie we've done. Shit, bye, movie Felicia. Challenge done. Boom. New champ, baby. Listen, I don't have to agree with the ruling, but I respect it. With a red shirt right. over the face. <laughs> we are going to take a quick break. When we come back, we've got a Mario trivia challenge, our recommendations for the week, and we'll let you know what we're doing next time. Welcome back to Hops and Box Office Flops with our newly crowned champion, the shit movie of all time, the Super Mario Brothers movie. In light of that, we are going to be doing a Super Mario Brothers trivia challenge. Gentlemen, I have a set of seven questions for you. Some are multiple choice. Some are fill in the blank. You have to let me know. I would like you to chime in with a simple, it's a me. I don't need you to give me the Mario part. If you want to throw that in there, that's great. The winner of tonight's trivia challenge will win a pair of Thwomp Stompers, also known as the same boots they wore during the prison scene of Face Off. So you are welcome, gentlemen. No notes on how big the Thwomp Stompers are. Uh, I'm going to assume that they were made for Nicolas Cage, and they are 14s. Big dick on that gentleman. Corkscrew dick. He's not a duck, is he? He might be. Who knows? I thought we established that John Milton. Never mind. At any point. Number one. The character of Big Bertha in this film is named after a Super Mario villain. What animal was that villain? Is it A, a big fish? Is it B, a weird dragon of ambiguous gender that spit eggs? Is it C, a Koopaling? It's a me. It's Oh, I'm going to give that to the Thunderous Wizard Cash. It's the big fish. It is indeed the big fish. Big Bertha, a.k.a. the Boss Bass. The other two options there would have actually been Birdo and Birdo, Wendio yes. Koopa. All Magic right, so Koopa? Wendio Koopa. Wendio Koopa was the Koopaling. Magic Koopa, yes. Yes, Magic Koopa. Number two. Which of these four actors were not considered for Mario? Is it A, Tom Hanks? Is it B, Danny DeVito? Is it C, Dustin Hoffman? Or is it D, Kevin Costner? It's, it's a me. I'm going to, that, that was kind of close. I'm going to give it to Chumpzilla. Tom Hanks. That is incorrect by a wide margin. We'll go into why. Uh, the Thunderous Wizard he, Cash. He was like considered for Luigi. It has to be Kevin Costner. That is also incorrect. In fact, I, I can I can steal. No, you cannot because you already you just lost. You well, it's it, Tom Hanks. Well, it's Dustin Hoffman then. Uh, no. In fact, Danny DeVito was the only person not considered. He was only ever rumored. Hanks. No, no, actually, no. They, they offered Hanks. him the job and the director's chair. That's false. Hanks, Hanks actually had the job, was offered $5 million. Nintendo and the executive producer said, hey, not feeling great about that particular gentleman. Kevin Costner was considered. Dustin Hoffman was considered. But Danny DeVito was only ever rumored, never confirmed. 
No, I am under good authority. He was offered both the role of Mario and the director's chair. This is and a I believe, reasonable request, I, I but I swear, would I swear you... Tom Hanks was considered for Luigi, but they didn't want him because of the failure of uh, Joe versus the Volcano and Turner and Hooch. This am is I wrong? It was in fact, Turner and Hooch is a terrific movie. But am I wrong? Fact, you are wrong. It was, in fact, he was offered Mario. Really? I yes. Jeez, okay, sorry. No, no, that's quite all right. Please refer to the smbmoviearchive.com. And other multiple sources have confirmed that it was, in fact, Tom Hanks offered the role of Mario. Fascist. Oppressor of the proletariat. You're not necessarily wrong about those things. Th- those are things but, Spike and Iggy say, for the yes, record. Yes, I know. But... Danny Guy in charge. That's what you're supposed to say there, Captain Cash. Danny DeVito was the only one not offered the role of Mario or considered for. Number three related, which of these three actors was not considered for Koopa? Arnold Schwarzenegger, Michael Keaton, or Alan Rickman? It's me, uh, Chumpzilla. Chumpzilla it is. Rickman. Rickman is correct. They did consider both Schwarzenegger and Keaton for the role of Koopa. Number four, Mario has starred in more than 200 games. How many of these games has he played the antagonist? Is it A, zero? Is it B, one? Is it C, four? It's me. Giving it to the Thunderous Wizard Cash. Uh, is it one? It is one. For is it Dr. Mario? No, it's uh, Don- It's Donkey Kong Jr. That is correct. The bonus point. Wow. You name it. It is Donkey Kong Jr. The single time Mario has played the bad guy is as the captor of Donkey Kong himself. That's a deep pull. What platform was that on? Uh, arcade. Well, it was an arcade game. Yeah. I mean, I do have it tattooed on my arm, so. I think it was... I think it was ported to a couple different systems, but yeah, that's... it's on Nintendo. Uh, I have the I which have a Nintendo Donkey Kong Junior arcade cabinet sitting in my living room. <laughs> Jesus, that's, that's, that's fair. Not, it's not that. No, that's not fair. How is it ever going to get that right? Holy yeah, cow! No. All right, number five. Which of the following was a bug left in the original Super Mario Brothers game? but was left in because the programmers found it so amusing. So what we're talking about, originally it was a bug. They didn't intend for it to happen. But when it happened, they found it so amusing. They're like, no, 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 we're going to keep it. So is it A, the color shift when Mario or Luigi pick up a fire flower? Originally it was only meant to be just the color shift to signify that they had gained the power, but the glitch switched it so the character had the now iconic white overalls as long as the effect was active. Is it B, the multiple coin boxes? Originally, all the coin boxes were just going to have one coin, but a glitch left a few with multiple coins. Or was it C, the iconic super mushroom was not originally intended to make Mario grow. It was only meant that would have the effect, which would ultimately become the one-up. A glitch in the programming made the sprite double in size. It's a (laughs) mean... Oh. oh, over to the Thunderous Wizard cash. Multiple coin boxes. It is multiple coin yeah, boxes. That would well be my done, guess sir. as well. All right, just two more to go. Uh, at this point, Chumpzilla, you have 
technically been eliminated. Nah. This is only for your own pride, not the Thwomp boots. Number six, the production was notoriously tough for Bob Hoskins, who racked up a number of injuries. According to Bob, what was the butcher's bill? Was it A, a broken finger, four stabbings, electrocution, and a near drowning? Was it B, two broken fingers, some severe burns, and a twisted ankle? Or was it C, a broken leg, he was hit by a car driven by one of the directors, a stabbing, and a dislocated shoulder? It's, it's a me. me. I'm going to give that to Chumpzilla. I believe it's A. It is, in fact, A. A broken finger, four stabbings, an electrocution, and near drowning. If I'm not mistaken, his his uh, hand was slammed in the van door, like in one of the opening scenes, and he actually had a flesh-colored cast on it the rest of the movie. That is actually correct. That yeah. was the thing that happened. Thank you, drunk John Leguizamo. Honestly, yeah, and, I, and that was, and, and actually, it's drunk uh, John Leguizamo that got his leg broke because he got hit by one of the stunt cars. Because he is apparently drunkenly wandered into a stunt. <laughs> Sometimes that happens. Yeah. All right. I, I couldn't catch it, but apparently in the movie you can see his foot in a cast and the thwomp boots, but I, I can't see it. Yeah. Last one, number seven again. Chumzilla, you cannot win, but for your own pride. Born to lose, baby. Yoshi, the animatronic puppet, was one of the most wildly complicated puppets for its time. How many puppeteers did it take to control Yoshi? Was it A, 9, B, 13, or C, 17? It's a me. Uh, over to the Thunderous Wizard, Cash. I'm going to shoot right for the middle, 13. That is incorrect. Chumzilla, you have the opportunity to steal. Yeah. I believe the correct answer here is nine. A. It is, in fact, nine. You yeah. did not win the Thwomp Boots, Chumzilla, okay. but you did bring it to three to four. So you were very close. Well yeah. done. So I, I just was, want everyone to know, though. This, but I am going to send you a jar of the snot that they used for Lance Hendrickson's Mushroom King. You are welcome. The Thunderous Wizard, you can expect the Thwomp boots in three to six mushroom years. Now, wait a minute. Are these the true Thwomp boots or are these the magnetic prison boots from Face Off? Can we, do we know? I don't think, I don't think anyone actually knows at this point. About the Yoshi puppet, the puppeteers that worked on that did a really good job. Those guys deserve some credit. And the folks from Jurassic Park actually came over and looked at what they were doing and considered hiring them to come work on Jurassic Park because they were so impressed with the work on that puppet, which is pretty, pretty strange in like retrospect, uh, considering how completely divergent the paths of these two movies take. But uh, yeah, they actually built, I, I made the joke earlier, half a million bucks. Uh, to build, like, I think three full-sized versions of that, a stand-in, one fully animatronic, one partially animatronic, and then one half-puppet for the tongue scenes. Weird. But the good news is, guys, that that puppet actually went on to have a career in Hollywood, unlike the directors of this film. The Yoshi puppet went on to play one of the baby Godzillas 
in the Matthew Broderick Godzilla movie. So at least the puppets still got work, you know, in Hollywood after this. Bless him. Yeah, we can all all drink a beer to that. Well, with that, we're going to do recommendations and wrap this up. So around the horn, the thunderous wizard, Cash, what is your recommendation this week? What is doing it for you? Uh, Well, this is a really... Uh, glaring example of a video game property that was translated incredibly poorly uh, most video games films that are adapted to film uh, do not uh, work almost at all so get ready for that... even more of those for the next yeah. month I'm going to recommend one that does and that's Sonic the Hedgehog because I think really? Sonic the Hedgehog uses the property in an interesting way and shows a real love for the property and since Sonic and Mario were rivals it's kind of funny because what the Mario games were always extremely well-reviewed. Sonic kind of fell off a cliff after a while. Uh, Sonic movie is a lot of fun. And if you have kids, they're going to love it. Uh, Voiced it by Ben Schwartz, uh, big friend of the show. Yeah, right. With with taking Sonic and putting him in the real world. Whereas this basically did everything wrong. So that's my recommendation. Over to Chumpzilla. What is your recommendation this week? Yeah, thank you, Captain Cash Cash. You know what? I'm going to actually speak to something that's near and dear to the Thunderous Wizard's heart here. And uh, I was aware of this movie, and I'd stumbled across it. I just want the record to show that was a tremendous opening. You left me chumps out to just blow up the Thunderous Wizard, and I did not. What I'm trying to say is you're welcome. Yeah. Anyway. Thank you, Captain Cash Cash. But, uh, yeah, so I was revisiting some of the older pods, and I went back to the uh, the island of dr moreau pod and uh i think there's a documentary help me out here mr wizard what's the uh, the island of lost souls yeah yeah yep and i was checking that out and i started you know googling richard stanley and then i realized that he'd also directed 1990s hardware which is a weird 90s sci-fi cyberpunk quasi terminator ripoff movie um, that was shot on the super cheap, uh, st- uh, <clears throat> starring Dylan McDermott, Stacey Travis, and you also get Iggy Pop and Lemmy from Motorhead in it. Um, nice. Yeah, it's a super weird movie. It's hyper stylized, I guess. Post apocalyptic. Uh, yeah, kind of a Terminator ripoff. But the fun thing is, the reason that, that it clicked with me too is because it was actually referenced in what I recommended last week, which was that 2000 AD documentary, because this movie ripped off one of the comic stories from 2000 AD and they actually sued and won because yeah, it's a straight up ripoff of uh, a comic story. So basically a uh, scavenger finds some like robot parts in some post-apocalyptic nuclear wasteland desert, brings them back and gifts them to his girlfriend, who's an artist. And then the robot parts come to life and it's a murder machine. And uh, mayhem ensues. But yeah, you know, I was aware of this film. I had heard of it. And um, for whatever reason, I just never had watched it. But I finally tracked it down. It's hard to find. I'm not going to lie. It's not an easy stream or anything. But uh, yeah, 1990s hardware. It's uh, it's interesting. It's worth checking out. And if you haven't seen it, do. All all right. Very good. And from me, it is going to be a uh, completely selfish choice. Uh, By the time this episode drops, we will be deep into Con From Home, San Diego Comic Con's 2020 version of Con, uh, which 
due to the COVID-19 pandemic is mostly just happening from your computer. Uh, so if you are into that sort of thing, check it out. Uh, and also, if you'd like to know how to do makeup like you've been in a fist fight and want to look like Daredevil, make sure to check out hashtag SaveDaredevilCon, where I'm going to be doing a Daredevil makeup tutorial. So that's my recommendation. And Wait, that's is, that, is, that, is that not just you punching yourself in the face? No, Ooh. I'm actually... I'm oh. very adept at making it look like I've been punched in the face when, in fact, I have not been. That's talent, folks. It really, it, it does take some time. Actually, yeah, it, it's, yeah. it's very easy. It's going to be a, a very quick tutorial I'll put together. But that about wraps it up for this edition of Hops and Box Office Flops. We'd like to send a thank you to Seminar Brewing for making a delicious beer to enjoy during this. The shit movie champion of all the movies we have done. Uh, thanks to you, the listener. Uh, what did you think of the pod? Did you like it? Leave us a review on iTunes, and please remember to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Is there a movie you'd like us to do? Please let us know. Do you think the Super Mario Brothers movie does not deserve the title of Shit Movie and Championship? Leave us a comment. Tell us. You can find the Thunderous Wizard at WriterTLK, Chumpzilla at Chumpzilla8, and you can find me, C-A-P-T-C-A-S-H, on most of your social media. Stay safe out there, everybody, and whoop!